Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. This morning, the Oakland Unified School District and others across the state start their school year. Of course, it won't be typical, with instruction being done remotely because of the coronavirus pandemic. And there's still so much for school administrators, teachers, and families to figure out. At a school supply giveaway event here in L.A., I talked to parent Stephanie Campos about how she and her family are feeling. A really big challenge keeping everybody busy and focused and on the distant learning. It's it's uh, they were kind of excited. They were supposed to do hybrid schooling and then it changed on them again. So like the back and forth thing makes it emotionally crazy too. So this how part, much anxiety is it for you? Just this for school? me, a ten. Because <laughs> uh, uh, ten. Yeah, ten. Yeah, I have a you know five of them that I have to homeschool, all different grades and all different curriculums and all different everything, but. We'll get through it. And I'm sure you're still trying to figure things out, but what's what's your plan for the coming months and weeks when it comes to school? You know what? Just take one day at a time. That's all we can do. That's it. Complete the assignments we're given. And wait for another day. A veteran San Quentin prison guard died over the weekend after contracting COVID-19. As KQED's Kate Wolf reports, this comes as an outbreak has sickened inmates and more than a dozen employees at a Southern California women's prison. The California Institution for Women had a surge of over 150 inmate cases in May, resulting in one death. In early July, the case count dropped to two. But the number of infections has climbed again to about 150 women. Sixteen employees at the prison have active cases. State corrections officials say employees who ordinarily staff the meal service have now been moved to maintain security and basic operations. Meanwhile, on Sunday morning, 55-year-old Sergeant Gilbert Polanco died from COVID-19 complications. He was the ninth state prison employee to die from the virus. Polanco was a correctional officer at St. Quentin and had worked for the corrections department for 34 years. Almost 2,000 correction staff members have tested positive for the virus, and about half have active cases. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. Physician Sonia Angel, the director of California's Department of Public Health, abruptly resigned from her position last night. Angel has been an important figure in the state's fight against the coronavirus pandemic from its beginning. Here she is speaking in February when the state had fewer than 40 confirmed coronavirus cases. As we learn more about COVID-19 and how it evolves, we will be sure that we adapt whatever we're doing to make sure that our responses are appropriate. 
Angel's resignation comes just days after it was announced that the state had a backlog of as many as 300,000 coronavirus test results. That's likely led to a big undercount of COVID cases. In response to Angel's resignation, Governor Newsom's office released a one-sentence statement thanking her for her service. Meanwhile, the culture wars over the pandemic continue. That was the sound yesterday from outside of God Speak Calvary Chapel in Ventura County, as supporters and critics of the House of Worship got into shoving and yelling matches. They were there because the church went ahead with indoor Sunday services, despite a judge's restraining order temporarily barring such services. County authorities say the religious gatherings could turn into coronavirus super spreader events that pose a threat to public health. But in a message posted to YouTube before services were held, God Speaks pastor Rob McCoy gave no ground. We will be violating the judge's order. We will be open this Sunday. If they seek to arrest me and the thousand of you, it's almost like uh, the first thousand get a prize. You get a citation. You want to be one of the thousand? Come. As of this morning, the church hasn't been cited, but Ventura County has sued the church and a hearing is scheduled for later this month. Of course, there are other problems in the world beyond the pandemic. In the Middle East, Beirut, Lebanon is still reeling from the massive explosion that destroyed wide areas of the city last week. The blast killed at least 150 people, injured thousands more, and destroyed countless homes and businesses in the heart of Beirut. It also scrambled future plans for so many Lebanese in this country, including one woman living in the Bay Area. The California Report's Lily Jamali has her story. Jessica Simon got the phone call at 8.32 last Tuesday morning. It was her mom who lives in Beirut along with the rest of her family. The first thing she said was, your brother and father are injured, but they're fine. And then my heart literally fell. That phone call is one that Lebanese living far from home have grown used to over the years. It's why Simon never sleeps with her phone on silent. As soon as there is a bomb, or a war that starts, or anything that brings danger, we call each other to make sure that we're alive. Nearly a week after the blast, Saman is figuring out what's next. She spent the last few years in Oakland training to become a psychotherapist specializing in trauma. And she was preparing to take what she's learned back home. I was planning to move back this summer and start a psychotherapy clinic there that sliding scale and bring trauma healing to my people, and it's not going to happen. And she says she won't move back until Lebanon gets its political house in order as well. Calls for that are growing louder in the nation each day. For the California Report, I'm Lily Jamali. In this moment of reckoning in our country over racial justice and equity, many people are looking to churches for guidance. Black pastors in particular are speaking out against police violence and systemic racism. But as CAP Radio's Ashley Brown reports, the idea of defunding the police is drawing a mixed reaction from California clergy. The week after George Floyd was killed by Minneapolis policemen on Memorial Day weekend, Pastor Michael Fisher joined protesters on the streets of Los Angeles. It wasn't the first time. So when this happened, along with the Trayvon Martin issue, along with the Philando Castillo issue, Sandra Bland, we knew what to do. We joined in the protest. I was in the front. I 
was meeting with clergy as we met with the mayor of Los Angeles to talk about reallocation of funds. Dr. Fisher is a senior pastor at Greater Zion Church Family in Compton. It's a Baptist church. After Floyd's death, Fisher also took his message about the power of protesting police violence to the pulpit. The Black church, the Black Christians, are getting ready to be tested. I actually preached about it, even dealing with Moses, when God gets his attention through fire in a bush. Sometimes the only way I can get you to pay attention to me is if I set something on fire. Because when God is done doing what he is doing... Since slavery, Black churches have taken the lead on conversations around racial justice, and the legacy continues to this day. Pastor Fisher is just one of many pastors who strengthen calls to reallocate funds away from police. In Sacramento, Pastor Takoy Porter of Genesis Church spoke at a large protest downtown. We need to take our moments, our chances, and opportunities to speak truth to power, to talk to legislators, advocate on bills and laws and budgets and all that. Pastor Porter says law enforcement should be reformed so Black folks no longer fear officers, but he doesn't want to defund the police. He and Pastor Fisher in L.A. say the better solution is to divert police money away from use of force, even within law enforcement, and use funds on things like body cameras. Pastor Fisher explains. We could take money from these, like, stealth B-52 armored cars that they're riding around in and put them back in a regular Chevy. I think there's a lot of ways that they are using the finances wrong. They can take that money and put it in community programs. In the Bay Area, Oakland pastor Harold Mayberry says he's not one for protests, but it's important for pastors to be involved with civic conversations about racial equity. He recently weighed in on a measure to rethink Oakland's police budget. In the early civil rights movement days, it was the Black church that offered organization to the people involved in the struggle. It's important that the church uh, be more than just a gathering place on Sunday morning. Church has to be the voice of conscience. These pastors say their churches will continue to keep doors open and be a part of yet another historical moment in history as a safe haven for Black lives. For The California Report, I'm Ashley Brown. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, 
visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Election day is 85 days away, and it will be like no other in American history because of the coronavirus pandemic. Across the state, county registrars of voters are racing to make sure the election is carried out safely and that voters will accept the results in our divided times. I talked about that work with Neil Kelly, Orange County's registrar of voters. He oversees voting in the fifth largest election jurisdiction in the country with more than a million and a half voters. You know, I uh, have been doing this for almost 17 years, and I, I never thought I would say we're having an election under a pandemic, but here we are. And so what's happening is there's a lot of planning, tremendous amount of planning for in-person voting to make sure it's safe and healthy. And then also just, you know, finalizing the, the expansion of our capacity for vote by mail, because we know that's going to increase for sure. So when it comes to brass tax election planning, what are some things you have to think about that you never would have had to think about in the past? How far can people stand apart from each other in a vote center and us to be able to still operate it efficiently? How, how many pieces of equipment can we operate and not have them too close together? Asking people to wear masks. I mean, this is another challenge, too. One big change in this election is that Governor Newsom has signed legislation requiring every Californian to receive a mail-in ballot. How many votes do you think are actually going to be cast that way? I really believe we're going to be in the 95% plus range of voters casting a ballot, either through the mail or dropping it off at a drop box in some fashion using a vote by mail ballot versus in-person voting. You know, a lot of pundits are already speculating that because of the heavy reliance on vote by mail, we won't have election results for days or maybe even weeks. You know, I've heard a lot of that discussion. Obviously, that's in the national dialogue right now. But the truth be told, at least for us, I've been working over the last several years to expand our vote-by-mail capacity even further. And there was a change in the law because of COVID that allows us to start processing vote-by-mail ballots 30 days out. In the past, you, you couldn't do it up until 10 days out from Election Day. So I, I think, you know, you're, you're asking a very good question. And I think for some counties, it's going to be a challenge to process all that volume. But I'm encouraged here in Orange County, we've, we've built up that capacity to handle that. And finally, despite your confidence when it comes to carrying out this election, what's a three o'clock in the morning thought that you have? <laughs> I think for me, top of mind is communication with the voters, making sure they understand what their options are, how to cast a ballot in this environment. That's key for me, because if we don't get that right, that can cause downstream problems. And that certainly is something that keeps me awake at night. All right. Neil Kelly, Orange County's Registrar of Voters. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. And that is the California Report for Monday, August 10th, a production of KQED Public Radio. If you want more news from around the state, do check out our daily podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care. Ideas for storing leftover paint to keep it fresh and tips for using it up can be found at paintcare.org. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt. 
whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.